Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. Today, we are looking at our gospel reading from for the week, which comes from Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Jesus tells a parable, and on the surface, this parable appears to be rather scary. The story is about a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Now, if you lived in Israel at that time, this language would immediately show that Jesus is telling a story about God and about the coming Messiah. It was common in this world for kings and important people to throw wedding banquets for their sons. These were usually big, expensive affairs. And this banquet here points to the promised future messianic banquet. So the future uh, eschatological, that's a big fancy word for the end of the age, this banquet for um, this Messiah figure uh, and the king represents God. Jesus really is at the center of all these stories. And each of them, as Jesus tells these parables, each of them caused the hearer to question Jesus's identity. Who is this guy? and the authority which he carries. All right, so the king uh, calls for all of these people. He likely had sent out invitations a long time before, and they had been met with appropriate RSVPs. But now they have to accept this particular invitation. So the RSVPs have been sent out. All the people have responded, yes, we're coming, but now the kingdom is here. Now the food is ready. The time is now. It's time for them to come to the banquet. But when the king sent out his servants to tell all the guests that the time has come for the banquet, that the banquet's happening, they won't come. In fact, it says they made light of it. They had other things to do, business and all different kinds of things. Now, attendance at weddings was a social obligation in Palestinian Judaism, and recipients of these invitations would usually accept them even if they weren't close to the host. They'd still go. In this case, it's the king who sends the invitation. So a short notice rejection was this ultimate act of disrespect. And since it's the king, it's even treason. So not only do these recipients make light of the banquet, some of them beat up and kill the messengers. So this goes beyond treason. This is an act of terrorism, an act of war. The king was extremely angry and they would expect that vengeance would be carried out. So he sends troops to burn the city, the city of those who murdered his servants. In the story, the chief priests and leaders of the time and their followers are like guests to this wedding. They are waiting for the Messiah's arrival. But they, like the wilderness wanderers of the Old Testament, have become distracted. The Messiah has arrived in Jesus, but now they don't want to hear about it. In fact, some have abused and killed the prophets who tried to tell them about it. And because of that, their city is destroyed. Jesus is saying that they, and we by implication, have become so focused on their need for control, on who's part of the in-group, who is out, they have forgotten that God's people are called to share his love with the world. This warning is addressed to Israel's leaders. But Jesus is using the parable to warn those within his community of followers not to become like them. 
Remember that Jesus' harshest warnings are always reserved for those who are inside the family, for those closest to the kingdom of God as it is unfolding in front of them. This is why this is still a warning for us today. So these wedding guests rejected the son, rejected this banquet, and kill his messengers, the king's messengers. But there's good news in the parable. God is sending out new new messengers. These messengers are to go to the wrong side of the tracks, to the bad as well as the good. The food is getting cold. The others are invited to join in. The doors to the wedding banquet have been flung wide open and everyone is invited. So who are these new guests? Well, in Matthew's gospel, we see that Jesus is likely referring to the tax collectors, prostitutes, the riffraff, the nobodies, those who are sick in their bodies and had been outcast because of it. The message of the Messiah is for them. As each guest is welcomed in, they change, their identity changes, and then their behavior changes. As they enter into this status as guest of the banquet, they are transformed. Jesus didn't hang around with tax collectors and prostitutes because their behavior was permissible. No, in the same way that Jesus healed the lame and the blind, he healed the thief and the one who was promiscuous. He embraced them as they are and transformed them. I love Frederick Dale Bruner. I love this quote. He writes, the flawed, as this gospel has taught repeatedly, are especially dear to Jesus's heart. For the most part, the gospel came into a world where even the highest contemporary religions were discriminating and the gospel won the flawed. Now in this world, if you attended a banquet like this, you received a robe when you arrived and it marked you as one of the invited guests that you're supposed to be here. Now, remember, this banquet at this point is open to all who accept the invitation, all who wanted to celebrate the arrival of the son and the the wedding banquet. But at the end of the story, we see there's someone who shows up and doesn't have a robe. This person has intentionally not put it on. So it's not that they forgot or that they just, you know, um, didn't get one or anything like that. No, they have intentionally rejected their status as a wedding guest. And it says the one who was not wearing the wedding robe was thrown into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes. What's going on here? Well, remember that this is a parable. This is a reminder that the way of Jesus requires new clothes, a putting on of the kingdom of God, that we are to really be transformed. Jesus ends it by saying, many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus is the one who feeds and who provides opportunity for people, particularly the poor, to eat. This meal is a celebration. It's a rejoicing. Yet some believe, the first group, that they do not need the food Jesus brings. Therefore, they do not make space for rejoicing because they have nothing for which to rejoice. Certainly nothing the king or his son would have to offer them. They don't have time for that. They can take care of themselves. They don't need the king. They don't care about the son. Some are so upset that they would even be offered the invitation, the presumption that they could, they would even need such a meal, that they kill the servants who, again, represent the prophets. So yeah, so this parable is a critique of those who are too comfortable, too entitled. Those of us who believe we are ultimately in charge of our own lives and can meet our own needs. 
I think our Western world lends itself to such a belief. I earn money. I go to the grocery store and pick out what I need. I put a roof over my head. I make things happen. In fact, our modern conveniences often numb us to our dependence. But it's not only a critique of the elites. Those who come to the banquet from the streets are expected to be prepared for what they're stepping into. Jesus has declared in the Beatitudes what this kingdom looks like, what this banquet looks like. This banquet will look like that. And the poor may be better positioned to receive the kingdom, as riches often blind a person to their own dependence on God, but the marginalized who are welcomed are also called to reflect his kingdom, to be humble, mourning, meek, hunger and thirsting for justice, merciful, pure in heart, and makers of peace. They're called to reject hate and unfaithfulness and oaths and revenge. We see this all in Matthew 5. Why are they supposed to do all that? Not because Jesus has created some arbitrary rules for people to follow, but because this is God's heart. This is the way of being truly human. Notice that these virtues are not what invite them to the banquet. All are invited just as they are. In fact, in the early church, there was a lot of debate throughout church history. There has been a lot of debate on what this robe actually refers to. In the early church, it was they thought it was holiness. So the robe is holiness. Since Augustine, it was love. And then in the Reformation, it became faith. I don't know that we should argue about you know, which one of these things, because of course, faith leads to love and to holiness, right? Love points us towards faith and then points us to the one, Jesus, who is virtuous even when we fail. So all of those things go together. But the point is that the virtues are not what invite them to the banquet. Everybody's invited just as they are. The virtues are required as one attends the banquet because they fit the occasion. The question for us is, are we showing up at a banquet where the invitation is free, fully open, expecting something else? Are we expecting that we should get into the banquet because of our own achievements? Are we suggesting that we are we want to get into a different kind of banquet than this one whose foundation is grace? The man standing at the entrance of the party is not wearing the robe he's been given. He's trying to make the banquet something it's not. And the judgment here reveals that fact. I think the question for us as we come to week after week, as we celebrate and we worship together as the people of God, as we come to the table of the Lord, the question is, are we recognizing that this invitation is open to all and that we're only invited by grace? Because that grace is deeply foundational to all that we do and to who we are as the people of God. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.